Hey guys, this is MC from MCMA Podcast. Welcome to another episode. Today we have a special guest. How are you doing today? Hi, Mason. I'm doing very, very good. Thank you for inviting me again. It's a pleasure to be here. Yeah, if anyone doesn't remember Sigfrey, she is actually from our other episode with hypnosis and absolute power. So that's a good uh, point to see where she came from. So how are you doing? Tell me a little about yourself, where they can find you. I'm doing very, very good. And I can be found on absolutepowerhypnosis.com. Um, and all my information is there, absolute, absolutely power hypnosis at gmail.com. It can be, um, I can be emailed through that as well. Um, and I do hypnosis therapy via Zoom. Or if you live in Northern California, I can, by Sacramento area, I can do it in person. That's where I'm living now. Gotcha. And she's a hypnotherapist, also a substance abuse counselor, past life transgression specialist, and a lot more special areas. Um, so before we get into today's episode, uh, you are in, you've moved, and now how that changed from the hypnotherapy and absolute power episode from here to now. Um, hypnosis is an ever going thing. It's not the therapy per se is the power that we carry within ourselves. So hypnosis is the medium that brings out that power of healing with the inside, as opposed to the traditional medicine that with anxiety, for instance, we get the pill, get instant, instant healing. But then it comes back again. Hypnosis, as we think, it's more permanent. So it has changed my life. And I've seen the life of others that I have worked with. My clients change their lives. And I'm very grateful for that. And I'm very grateful for you guys is that I spread that message kind of sort of thing. Okay. All right. So, yeah, that's a little bit about in the previous episode to now what she's doing. Um. So we're going to get into today's episode. Today's episode is going to be uh, Coco Review and Day of the Dead, or as we like to call it, Day de las Marantos. So let's talk a little bit about Day of the Dead before we get into Coco and Day of the Dead with that. Uh, so El Dia de los Muertos. It's a holiday mainly celebrated, at least in the few days back now it's almost worldwide uh celebrated by mexican culture and uh central america and some south american it's what the hispanics like to call the mesoamerican holiday mesoamerican meaning from mexico all the way to the south that's what it means and it's a holiday that celebrates their dead the love that of the loved ones, uh, particularly, um, it begins on November first and it finishes on November second. Yeah, and there's also other versions of like instead of Day of the Day, it's also some countries call in like Europe, it's called All Saints Day. Um, there's also like uh, you have Halloween and then Halloween and then Day of the Dead. So that kind of how that kind of follows through. But it's kind of interesting because the 
not only does you remember the family that passed, but you also want them to have like celebrating what your family once meant to you as well. <laughs> Excuse me, please. Excuse me. <laughs> so going back to what you said, the day of the saints and the day of the dead and the Halloween, three different holidays. Yes. The day of the saints, it's, it was mainly brought by the Spaniards into Mexico. And the saint meaning children. They call it clipping souls. Uh, and that's what they call it, santos, saints. Because in the minds of us living humans, the little children haven't sinned. So they're clean, they're pure souls, and that's what they're called, santos, saints. Um, and that came with the religion, the Catholicism, that they brought the saints into the Catholicism. So we have now the two holidays separated, one for the adults, one for the children, which are the day of the saints and then the day of the dead, which they're all dead, but at the same time, one are pure souls and the other ones, I guess we saint. <laughs> and somehow... <laughs> It's kind of interesting seeing how like a different culture that could have the influence like the Spaniards did when they colonized. But that's actually a lot of modern Spanish and Hispanic culture is from the Spain. Right. So interesting how that works out. Yeah, well, the Dead of the Dead, it was celebrated by years and years before the Spaniards came to conquer all American continent. Um, and they, the main celebration was because they believed just like the Egyptians believed that the dead had a journey to go through. It was a four year journey that they needed all these elements to go through their journey. And one of the things that the Mexican indigenous did was uh, kill or um, a sacrifice, that's the word, not killing, but sacrifice their dog, the Chosles Quintre. That was the dog, you know, the Mexican uh, pre-Hispanic dog that is still alive. Um, they still exist. So they will sacrifice as the guide of the dead and put it into the thumb of the dead. So it will guide them through their journey because they were supposed to go into the infra-world through the four different underworlds into their journey and their journey. And, and that was the original um, celebration. Yeah. And also with the Egyptians, they also thought that being buried with your pets, their souls will also make the person whose soul was in that tomb also be happy in the afterlife too. Um, Yeah, the culture doesn't talk about happiness, but it does talk yeah. about guiding them into their path. Not yeah, you guide them into a a point forward where they can be in a better place in a like I think resting. Uh, yeah, and the yeah, rest, yeah, yeah and, and the yearning lasts for four long years for the soul to move into the infra world. So they needed all of these things to move with more, I guess, focus <laughs> for a better yeah. better word. <laughs> Yeah, true. So what are some of the elements that you need to complete the four-year journey? Okay, so there are few elements that are a must. And 
well, obviously the picture of the dead, it was to recognize themselves. The incense, it was the purification of the evil spirits. Uh, for the indigenous people, corn was a must because the corn in Mexico and other uh, South American cultures signifies richness because he gave everything. He gave food, he gave nourishment and everything. And there's all kinds of corns, I don't know if you know, in Mexico and South America or well, Central America. The red corn, the white corn, the blue corn, and the yellow corn and different corns. And each corn, the, uh, the whole thing of corn, the whole husk, it means it represented different angles like the north, the south, the east, and the west. And, and so that way it guided the dead into a path that wouldn't get lost because they knew which, which way they were to go. So that was the corn. Then the very prominent that we see everywhere, beautiful marigold flowers with a very strong scent and odor, uh, that's also a purification element, an element that guides the dead and it's also because of its color, it means joy, happiness. And that was what you were saying, that their journey is to be happy, uh, joyous. The incense was brought by the church. And also it means purification. When I don't know if you've ever been in a Catholic church and mass, they go with the incense and that's for purification purposes as well. Okay. So what those elements fulfilled the must-have elements that would happen after the four years, they become in the resting place. What is exactly the resting place in uh, Spanish culture specifically? Uh, well, there are four infra worlds, so everyone mm -hmm. needs to get to one place. Oh, okay. Gotcha. Yeah. So the the one place is where the young souls that were unborn that were they die before uh, in the mother's womb or at the sub-babies. They all go to the first sector, almost like Dante's Inferno's novel, that they have different places to go, right? The second one was the adolescents and other people. And it has also the people who worked on the fields, the people who died in the ocean. So they have different ones. And then um, one of um, the third one is for the adults. And there is a special place for the elders that have all this knowledge and they were to go to the sub world of the fourth one. So they have fourth world. So um, I guess they take different journeys, different paths. <laughs> and with the different journeys that are on the different levels, what do you think is maybe the place that has the most to offer and that level. Oh, oh, that would be more studying, the more awful. I, and again, I will say I'm going by what I studied long time ago. Yeah. I would say that the young souls, there is something called, and it's also part of the uh, religious, the Catholicism, that when we die, we need to rest in a place called the purgatory. I don't know if you ever heard of that. Yes. So it's before, between the life, uh, between mortal world, you're not dead, but you're not alive, kind of thing. And be go before going into... Where lost souls go. 
Yeah, exactly. So that's where their souls rest, but they're not at peace. So when we do, or people who believe in this Dia de los Muertos, they do all these ofrendas and offers and, and singing and, and all of that, we're helping the dead move through, pass through, move through that purgatory stage or place or whatever we want to call it, move through and get to their final destination, resting destination. All right. And what are some of the, uh, that's the elements of what the resting place should look like. What are some like the basic customs or like the celebration itself? Well, when we humans alive celebrate, we dressed as the skeletons, the Katrinas, very popular, uh, the skulls, and the skulls that are, the pain has a meaning too. The purpose of the pain is, again, to help the dead, the souls move through the purgatory. Uh, the water, it means the energy that the souls need to nourish that thirst, to quench that thirst. So everything has a meaning. And I guess going by the religious is when we get to the final resting place is joy, happiness, beauty, which is what the marigold flowers signify. Okay. And in the festival, in the festivities of it, what are some of like the popular things that happen in that, not just the skeleton, but the makeup and the uh, mask, what else is separate? Well, people eat, they, <laughs> it's a, it's a human alive celebration, mm -hmm. I would say, because they bring like in Mexico, their dances, the parades, the mariachi, eating all kinds of food. Uh, well, the main thing, it should be the food that the dead like. So if they like mole for sake of saying something or carne asada, that's the food that we will eat in that celebration. Mm -hmm. oh, okay. So you specifically will eat a meal to reflect those who wish that type of meal to get like a closeness to them kind of sort of. Right, it's just true. We're celebrating their memory and eating what they like, drinking what they like. So if they like tequila, tequila is part of that uh, festivity. Oh, okay. The ofrenda, the offered, it would be there. Yeah. And with the uh, ofrenda setup, how many different tiers can the ofrenda have? Um, uh, again, it depends on the place and it depends on where it is. And, and uh, there are different uh, meanings for different things. So they use the hardened tree branches. They call it the hokote is a type of a tree. And they make arches with that. And the, the arches, again, serves or signifies the threshold between one world and another. Is the guidance because we believe or people believe that the dead are coming back in that day to visit mm -hmm. people that are alive. So they need a portal for to say something, a threshold, and that arch is part of that. The colorful, the the um, papel cortado, the 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 perforated paper, it also signifies that through those holes, the souls are coming through, and, and with joy and 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 uh, happy energy, because the colors purple orange means happiness. 
and is a happy energy. And uh, at these uh, Dia de los Muertos celebrations, has there been cases where they may have interacted with the past loved ones that you know of, like personal cases? You know, I don't don't adhere to that belief, but there mm-hmm. are a lot of people who says they feel them and that they have that kind of sort of connection. And a lot of people that really are attuned to that and, and the candles also, it's, it's bringing them, it's calling them the light of the candle. So when they do that, they start praying, praying for their soul or praying to come back or praying to help them because uh, we, those who adhere to that belief, believe that somehow our dead have some kind of connection with God, some connection so they can bring us favors, they can do favors or advocate for us. So I don't adhere to that, but I have heard a lot of stories. Again, can be true, cannot be true. The mind is very powerful. I'm a hypnotherapist. I believe in the power of the mind. If you want to see the ghost, the ghost is going to show up to you. <laughs> yeah, isn't it like a condition where you actually, like a disorder where you actually see ghosts specifically? Like, And, and, and again, it, it is a condition and it is, there is uh, a gland in the mind that it expands and we can see more. And it also has to do with the imagination, so much imagination, which is very powerful. And yeah, and, and yeah it has to do with customs and beliefs also. And also family members being very close to you can manifest uh, these envisions, these imagination of the brain to maybe make it look like they might be there as well. So with that being said, how does people navigate Day of the Dead knowing that their family is trying to visit them to pass on? Um, The main thing is putting candles and incense in the house as well or in the the altar, in the ofrenda that is being placed on that. And the ofrenda or the offering, the altar, is where the dead is to come, is to find their family. And all of those different icons, the bread, the cross, the salt, the water, all of that, it's their items to guide them, to guide the souls, the dead, to come and visit the right person, not to make a mistake and go to the neighbors, but to the right person. Oh, okay. So having a combination of those items will be essential to guide them to that household, to that Pacific Alafanda. Right. Right. And the main thing that Alafanda needs is the candles, the salt, the cross, different flowers to represent it. Incense, yes. And the picture, obviously, because they need to come to the right house. (laughs) Yeah. the la foto is the uh, okay, connection to the familia. It's you're trying to say the connection with the family. Yes. Yeah. So it is. That's what I'm saying. When they have the right food or the food that they like, and they like the water, and they have the water mm-hmm. candles, all the light. That's the essence for the souls to come through, penetrate to the veil of life and death, or one world and another world and come through that. Mm-hmm. 
so that's a little bit about day of the dead the costumes of the elements um the other half that we have which you know kind of inspired this was a little bit was coco as well so what does coco do in the movie that compares to day of the dead or dia los Muertos? And, and, and again we have to think that coco was a hollywood movie made yeah. with more dramatism and it was very humorous the way it was made kind of a disney where you get your ticket you pass through or that mm -hmm. um but one of the things that um the mexican indigenous culture and we still believe is that by keeping the memory of our dead alive they are still here with us so okay. that picture that when that picture fell from the altar that was like a huge thing it's like now how are they going to find us how is grandma going to find the the right house so that was one of the things uh that went that was very kind of sort of true a little bit humorous uh the fact that the altar had to be there otherwise the person will start disappearing but not per disappearing per se but the memory nobody remembered yeah person so it's keeping alive what we have inside and not forgetting and or forsaking those who pass okay element. and then uh, my friend uh can you also have ones that passed years ago but after the four-year threshold as well yes yes it's, it's it's the dead throughout life so if my grandma died 10 years ago i can put an friend that with water and 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 we give them the right to come come back or not because in their journey they might not come back here they might yeah. want to stay out there so yeah. that's part of uh, uh the belief that was passed on from generations yeah. to generations and uh in coco specifically the family that we have is the the shoemakers all the different ones that had passed generation to make shoes, they pass it to their, you know, their daughter, their husband, and so on and so on. But in that tradition of shoemaking, how real is that to pass generation to generation of a of a job like that? You know, in especially if it's a business, it's a trade that in 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 Mexico and some Hispanic cultures, they said, "I'm living." a livelihood to my family and livelihood is the business that they are to work on so if there were the shoemakers there will continue to be shoemakers because it's going to bring uh business money to the entire family not one person per se and and so it's it's almost like in any other society if we have doctors probably there are going to be doctors in the family that comes because I guess it comes in the genes or engineers or, you know, teachers or whatever profession comes, yeah. whether it's by learning, because that's what hypnosis believes that we learn by yeah. observation and, and repetition, observing or by working on the, on the family business. That's so obviously, yeah, I made it more dramatic. Yeah. 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 yeah in comparison. But, you know, Having an introduction that we had to Coco was kind of important because it establishes the traditional family 
the livelihood for the family to have to pass on to continue the for the support of the family so you know with that being said the importance of family what other elements do you think that you liked that showcase importance of the family in coco um so people have a misconception that i have the blessings yeah. of having grown in the states I was born in Mexico, so I kind of know a little bit of both cultures. And I believe in America, North America, um, and in your family is very important in a different way sometimes. Uh, Hispanics, they get all together. The more, the merrier, right? And grandma takes part, aunties, cousins, everybody takes part of if they're going to do tamales or whatever. They all take part of that. And that was the nice thing about Coco when they show that in the Hispanic cultures and some of the European cultures, like Italian culture, like grandma or grandparents are so very important that they have a hierarchy of respect. And even little children, grandma has to, or grandpa, grandma have to be served first and then the rest of the family. So that part was shown very clearly in the movie. Oh, okay. And, you know, it's interesting how we also get into the potential conflict of music. One particular incident with music made the family not want have music in their lives. And as a result, it created an imbalance of they're okay without music and therefore why should we need it right and and i think that was that uh, to dramatize it a hollywood way to dramatize something but it could it, it does happen just like in romeo and juliet there are feuds between families and and families forbid or forbade everybody else to talk to the other family or be part of that same thing with the tradition you know, I got heard by the musician. I don't want no music in my house. That was a little bit of a drama. Uh, but it could happen. Yeah. You know. Yeah, I mean, that's a storytelling mechanism that the movie used as a central, I guess, conflict to establish the story and then establish the rising action to go on how to, like, resolve that issue at the end kind of thing. So that's on storytelling. But in a traditional family, can set something like that be set back by generations of like dread or discontent with a certain thing? Yeah, and, and let's let me go back just one one moment to what you said about this conflict. Let's remember that any movie, any story that makes it exciting is the conflict. If there's no conflict, conflict is flat. So Hollywood had to make a conflict, create a conflict in there. Now, as far as culture and the conflict, yes, there had been, as far as I remember with my own family, my grandma, that would say, don't talk to the family. They are whatever, meat makers, or they are money makers, don't talk to them. And so it, it does it does happen maybe not with a particular trade or skill yeah. like musicians 
Although the musicians have a bad reputation. <laughs> right. So, um, yeah, I don't know about the skills, but yeah, they, there are conflict with families. Yeah. Like in every culture. Yes. Yeah. All right. So with that being said, what is important to know if you have that type of family dilemma? How does a family heal from that, per se, if it goes by generation? It's generation. And it has to do with the generation. Someone daring enough to say, hey, that was your conflict. Okay. It's time. Now, this is a new generation. And sometimes it can be conflicting, especially because there is so much respect unto the hierarchy of grandparents, grand aunties, that if the children or grandchildren go against that tradition, it's almost like they're disowned kind mm -hmm. of sort of way. So that's why those traditions are kept perpetuating, keep going, keep going until someone says, that's ridiculous. That's in the past. <laughs> gotcha. So, you know, in Coco, they have that dilemma where uh, the Miguel doesn't want to actually follow in the family trade of the livelihood of shoemaking. He's trying to follow supposedly Ella Cruz as a hero to music and to be a musician as such, as a dream. We found out later that's not necessarily the case. Well, it's kind of twisted, but... Generally speaking, he has a he's a fan, appreciates it, and then as a fan wants to to become it himself. Right, right. Um, and it just happens that if you know the Mexican culture, the singer that they portrayed, it was a very, very, very famous singer that died like sixty years ago and is still alive in the memories of everybody. So they Hollywood had to put a figure that was bigger than everything else. And that it's like loving Elvis Presley, right? So um, they have to put a figure where the conflict is against family and that figure, that love for that musician, that music. Um, and that's how Hollywood made it big. big. Uh, rarely happens in real life. It could. Yeah. There's a few instances like Elvis Presley and the one you just said where they transcend their music even after death, but that is typically on music as itself. It has trends that go up and down and people at different periods like different things and sometimes they have a, a retro to go back to something of old and remember it and appreciate it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And music is so much part of every culture, but especially Mexican culture, that it was, it had to be part of the movie. It had to be, and it's part of every celebration, the mariachi, yeah. you know, sort of that traditional music. All right. So here's an interesting question. So if you have, if you get one of, if you have a family that has an altar, doesn't want music associated with the Day of the Dead, how does Day of the Dead without music play out? 
it was not. It was not. And it, again, it wouldn't happen because music is part of every celebration in the entire world, but especially in Mexico. And yeah. it's not just any music. It's, it's the traditional music, like the banda, the, the mariachi, the specific music that has come from many centuries ago. So the style is pretty simplistic, but powerful in the traditional sense and the moving anecdotes of them singing and what it actually represents. Mm-hmm. Exactly. <laughs> and, uh, this is interesting. Uh, the spirit guides. So what specifically in the spirit guide can we have established like Coco has shown us? What do you mean by that? Well, like, if you put a spirit guide with them, like an animal to guide them to the altar, how does that play out? Um, again, uh, the Mexican indigenous, the Aztecs, the Toltecs, the Nahuatl, they had this thing where they believed that human sacrifices will appease and please the gods. And a vivid example is when the Aztecs would take out the heart of what well, usually was men or it was, uh, uh, they call it doncella, that means a woman who have never had sex, call it pure, they would take out their hearts and burn it and give it to God, whatever God they believed in. And then that would bring rain and bring all the cult the cultivation, the corn and, and, and eating um, things to eat. So the same thing happened. They brought that into this day, the day of the dead, mm -hmm. and they will bring the guide dog, which is, I have a hard time pronouncing this name, Charlie Quinkly is the original Aztec dog with no hair. And that was the guy. Yeah, does it make sense? Yeah. Okay, so that's why. Okay, so so it's very simplistic in representing the culture where it came from and actually having a representation in the movie. Right, right, right. Okay, that's so interesting. I didn't know that. Did you like originally recognize it, or do you like had to look at it for a second, say the origin of the of the dog? Yeah. Yeah, it came from far, far, far away from the um, indigenous or the Aztecs traditions of sacrificing a human being to please the gods. Okay. In your definition of what Coco represents, what is your, like, one of the parts that speaks highly to the movie and what you like about it? Well, I like, definitely, I like the fact that they make this holiday more globalized and get it to know that and and for people to know the culture the levels of respect that even someone has passed we still have them dear in the heart and for lack of a better term we don't let them go because we want to keep them alive that they were part in the past of our lives living lives and they still are um in telling the children, especially the young minds, 
because now the world moves so fast with technology, with television, everything that is happening. So they can understand that we come from a tradition of humanity and that's what it is. That's my interpretation. And that's what I liked about the movie, even though it was a money-making movie, but it doesn't matter. It makes all of us put us in terms more being together kind of sort of thing. Yeah, I also like how uh, the movie is really vibrant. It mm -hmm. really represented specifically of culture that is of color, but all the different types of colors, the festivity, having the color, having the vibrancy to it, having it stand out, having it be something what it is, what it was. Uh-huh. Yes, yes. Uh, and, and obviously because it's Hollywood and they need to make this kind of movie to make money. And because we humans, we are very visual people. If we don't have colors, our mind kind of wanders around. We need a lot of um, stimulations. Kind of sort of thing. Okay, so the, like the festivities of the Day of the Dead kind of give you like that color, that stimulation in provoking the brain signal to enjoy yourself, to go about it in a way to just let it go. Right, right. We need that. <laughs> of a stimulants yeah okay and as a stimulant the movie did well to provide that but also capture moments in your subconscious to like send signals to like the movie as well <laughs> exactly exactly and they're experts in that area so great we love it they entertain us they gave us a little bit of the culture of other world mm -hmm. it's a little bit more cohesive as like humanity uh, yeah, understand other cultures. Yeah, I I enjoy every part of it. And it's typically the first half that has the best representation of Day of the Dead, because that's typically the building of the story, getting to the point where Miguel might be, you know, disappearing, as we call it, in memory, and actually struggling to get a family's blessing. Um, is there any significance of a family's blessing or is that just something they just put in the plot? No, actually it is true. So there is a custom and a habit, even when you move, if you visit your auntie and go 20 minutes away from your home to visit her, there's always the blessings. And they say, God bless you, my child, be safe, call me when you get home. So it is a habit, even up to now, even for young people, always giving the blessings to everybody. So now from the dead or the hierarchy of the elder to the youngest, we always need the blessings. It is very true. Uh, so there is like a connection to the blessing, not necessarily from the blessing of the souls and the elements of Day of the Dead, but in the family living it's kind of blessing. Living, yes. and. And I'm not sure, I haven't researched that part, if it's part of the Catholicism that I was brought to Mexico from the Spaniards, or it was from the indigenous, but that blessing thing, it's always, it's always part of it. And it's even, kind of similar marriage. You need that, you need your family's blessing to accept this one into the family. Kind of sort of thing, yeah, yeah. More, more in a more general scale, yeah. We have that blessings all the time, yeah. Mm -hmm. 
high. So giving the bless, so giving the blessing to the young ones kind of establishes what kind of relationship. Um, it feels more spiritual thing. It, it's it's the connection between I'm I'm special. I have someone who's blessing me, and always even in in and the spirit, if you want to say it, is watching over me. And, okay. and comforting thing. Okay. Interesting. So <laughs> let's go back to like the visual aspect of Day of the Dead. Um, uh, Mason, if I may say something, we can even connect it to what is going on now in this time of the world, where they say that we're connected through vibrations. So if we give a good thought, it's a good vibration that we're sending to the person. And that is a good thing for that. So it's kind of a similar thing, if I would say, that is the blessings, but it's more, the blessing is more verbalized. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's kind of like finding the true person that it was actually the visuals and music that we have in the Bob Coco. But that can also that have a good vibration, telling the true story as opposed to the story that was fabricated, kind of thing. Right, exactly. <laughs> yeah. So, with that good story being out there, what is the powerful of that in itself? To have a good story to spread it, maybe a different spin on history that wasn't told before. Well, exactly like we talked about it before, um, to spread more awareness of different cultures. Because okay. some of us are ignorant of other cultures and we don't take them as seriously as we should or as respectful as we should. Um, and and it, it brings more cognizance, more awareness of that we all celebrate our different, in a different ways our dear ones or we have that connection with family the dead or the alive um it's bringing that part of, mm -hmm. of connection and also like i said because the unesco make it a worldwide um a heritage so now it belongs to everybody it's not just the yeah. mexican or the south americans or the, uh, the central americans it belongs to everybody who wants to dress up or do an altar to their dead. It belongs to everybody. It's part of everybody's culture now. Yeah, and that worldwide acceptance is also something that has been hitting more as the introduction of culture becomes multicultural with the different conditions being met to allow the assimilation of people, but also mixing cultures to adapt two cultures into one and have different variations of it still represented in the same day. Right. And also because in this time and age and days, we are more mobile. We move from place to place. So if we go to Mexico, as you were in Puerto Vallarta, it's not Mexico. It's an American slash Canadian colony. And if we come to the States or even in Canada, there are places where there are more Hispanics or people from Europe. So it's a mobile world. It's a human world, not one culture. Yeah, we speak different languages. We grew up differently, but 
it's a nice thing and thanks to Hollywood as well we get to know more people and more of cultures so it's a very wonderful thing that connects us as humanities as human beings so with that being said what is one thing about coca that you thought was very interesting that maybe it was not necessarily day of the dead but just the movie itself uh I will say more the feud of the sh the music. No one <laughs> part of the conflict that uh, Hollywood had to make it so big to say this is a big conflict, and, and yeah. it was ridiculous because there are no celebration anywhere in the world without music, and we know that. <laughs> yeah. So I think that was very uh, fictitious. That was mm -hmm. one part that was very fictitious, and it was uh -oh. fun. <laughs> Kind of a gotcha. thing, yeah. <laughs> uh, so, like, this uh, Mark kind of like spoke out, like, was stand out to you, like, having it being a directive motivation throughout the movie and the transition of it, kind of how it played out. The more you saw it, the more you found out, the more it kind of became over ambitious over the mountain kind of thing well i like the fact that they started with the beginning the families the altar the rebellious kid because every family or everybody needs that rebellious person to say we're changing the world we cannot live in the past and that was so marvelous to say okay there's always that kind of not we can say the hero because heroes are always rebellious people that rebel against tradition they rebel against whatever is coming so that was that struck me as like yeah i like that the kids need to know everybody needs to know that you need to be daring sometimes in order to change life to change beliefs to change the world to change whatever is happening so that party was it was a very well played yeah, uh, I think that the part that stood out to me was probably like, for example, just overall animation of it was kind of interesting. Uh, it's kind of something that, like, you could have had that live action, but having it in animation itself was more the magical part. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was for little ones and for big ones. There are all kinds of minds. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I really enjoyed that. Everything in that movie. Yeah. And there's also probably things of fantasy that you can't really... Limit, you limit it in a live action setting, but you can do it in an animation setting and achieve that... The imagination aspect. The seeing what, what if, what it looked like kind of scenario will be if someone were to disappear on the other side what their family trying to be in the four elements trying to you know get to the afterlife the, the resting what did what did they symbolize and what they have to offer and motivation of getting crossing over kind of thing too right right and it was like two different worlds the living world and the dead world and both with their own dramas and, and and they did it to a really very well way they did it they did a very well job educating 
and melting both living and dead world. Even uh, though the, you know the dead world is not much to go on, there's still a good uh, interpretation of what it could look like as a reference to the culture, to the motivations of those trying to see their family members, what they're going to do to do it, and the you know keeping the memory alive as a resolve kind of way too. Right, right, and and uh, they did a great job uh, with that part of internal conflict as well, mm -hmm. and the guilt. Let's not forget the guilt because uh, Miguel the kid will carry that guilt. The entire yeah. is guilt of, oh, I dropped the picture, I made my grandma disappear. So it was like yeah, big thing, <laughs> and guilt is part of the culture as well, at least in the Mexican. Yeah. And 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 uh, um, Central America and all the sp Spanish-speaking culture, guilt is a big thing that I think that needs to be worked on. In my opinion. <laughs> mm -hmm. uh, okay, so internalizing actions and what it means for your family or the situation at hand is also something to take consideration too. Right, exactly. <laughs> right. So as we wrap up, what are some closing statements about uh, Day of the Dead that you want the audience to take from this discussion? Um, well, the final thoughts is that we all are in one world. And that if we love someone, whether they're alive or they're past, we need to honor them. We need to make the moment, time, to honor that person that we loved, whether it's family or friends, and even if they already passed, um, have that moment, whether it's in a prayer, putting a candle, whatever it is you believe. I think that that was part of the message to say, we come from somewhere and that, that somewhere has our heritage and it's our great grandparents that we still carry in, in the genes or uh, in our blood. So I think that is a, a message that I would like to people to remember that we are humans and we need to honor those ancestors of ours um, because we still carry them within us, whether we want it or not. <laughs>